Hi kids, it's March here. Um, it's been a minute, hasn't it? Um, we're so sorry for the delay. Um, we got wrapped up in the glams and losing to Monet Exchange and Lady Bunny. But we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> um, we're here to introduce a two-part episode. What? I know. What a nice Valentine's Day surprise for you. Um, we're doing a first part this week and a second part next week with our lovely guest, Miss Junior Mint. Um, we thought it was such a disservice not to let her speak her whole truth um, and have basically an unedited episode for you um, because Junior had said such lovely and such affirming things in this interview it's honestly quite amazing um and it's it was such a joy to have her so i'm very excited for you to listen to miss junior Mint. i hope you enjoy bye wig did you just say wig wig okay Hi kids. Hello. Um, Hi. we're doing a late January edition. Oh, oh yeah, it not- is. I don't oh. even know when this is coming up. <laughs> um yeah, late, I think like late January. Late January, early Feb. Um, you know, or having a late start to the year. Oh, it's gonna be February first, probably. Oh, perfect, beautiful. Love that for us. <laughs> welcome. Um, Black History welcome. Month. Yeah, exactly. Yes, we totally um, planned this. <laughs> <laughs> um well, I'm Martyr. I'm C. Tepper. <laughs> and this is Woo! Um, yes. um, we have a very special guest today. I'm very excited about them. Um, um, but Caitlin, who are we talking to today? Who are we doing? So I was like, I think she's too big for our show. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, everyone's like, no, you y'all y'all can get her. You can get her. <laughs> so we got Miss Junior Mint. Woo! Woo! Welcome, oh Junior. Just so happy to be here. I'm never too big for anybody. I'm just another person. No, just another bitch big. out here. Yes. You're such a sweetheart. Um, <laughs> thank you for so much for talking to us tonight. Um, yeah, we're so excited. I, oh, so I was hanging out with a bunch of our previous guests earlier today, and when we told when I told them who was on, they were so excited. Oh, they that's are pumped. <laughs> There's no better compliment than like somebody hearing your name and thinking and feeling something positive. So yeah, I was like Thank all you. about it. So I'm sure everyone's really excited. You're here. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought we could retire this question in 2022. You thought. And girl, I could not retire this fucking question. <laughs> I'm very sad about it. <laughs> what has your pandemic been like? <laughs> well, it's been like, I always say that like, as a black trans person, my life is already chaotic, tumultuous. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Every single day I walk out on the street, I don't know if I'm gonna make it back. Mm. I don't know. And so it has been honestly like, you know, more anxieties added on top of it. Mm. But you know, my blood pressure is still at the same level it's usually at. It's like, you know, just another day. Cause at the end of the day, I'm like, also one of the uh, primary caregivers for my mom so like if anything oh. that was one of the hardest parts because she lives mm. in dc oh so, mm-hmm. yeah so that's kind of like the hardest part because 
she's old and she has an, a compromised immune system. And so just making sure that she's okay and she has everything that she needs is more like the biggest stressor. But honestly, my community has always been there for me and they were there for me during the, during the pandemic. And I know if I need to launch a GoFundMe, they'll be there for me for that too. But everything has been pretty as stable as can be you know as stable as everything can be in this time but otherwise the optimist in me is just I mean I woke up so we're all doing good (laughs) we're doing good I woke up that's the hardest step of it all yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be an inspirational podcast I know I'm already so inspired listening to you you have such a, a joy just talking just about life I love it Love it so much. Your array of positivity so far. (laughs) (laughs) So you talked about your mom in D.C. Where are you from originally? Well, I always say I'm like from all up and down the East Coast because I was born in Philly at uh, in Temple, then raised a bunch in like Southern Jersey, um, Camden County, Winslow Township, like all of that area, Southern Jersey. It was like at the time, like the area had like the highest murder rate per capita. And Mm -hmm. so it was like that type of experience. But growing up, my mom just did such a beautiful experience of like never letting us even realize that like there were issues going on in our house, like how we didn't have money and all these different things. So um, my dad left when I was like nine or 10. And then that caused our family to go into bankruptcy. And so then uh, we moved around a bunch, um, DC, Maryland, um, 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 New York for a little bit. Um, and then a little bit of Delaware and then um, family all up and down the coast. And then we ended up with my aunt in DC permanently. And that's where like, I spent my teenage years really like late, late, late middle school um, and high school. And that was interesting because like I where in DC, there is no good public education because um, it's the, not um, a state. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like the people who run the budget are the people who live in like, like some of the highest, um, most wealthy counties in the country are Loudoun County and Fairfax County, which mm-hmm. are right outside of DC, which is where all the Congress people live, which is where like, if you look up Forbes, like highest high schools, it's always like the top 10 are always schools in that area. Mm-hmm. And DC has none, no good schools. The um, classroom that they actually tried to have me have be my homeroom, actually like a hole in the floor, like where you could see the classroom below and there was like just tape around it where you just don't step into it and don't fall to your death. And like my mom basically was like, you're not going to school there. We're not doing that. Thank God. <laughs> um, what my mom did like a horrible crime, which is like not actually a crime, but fuck the system. Mm-hmm. Because um, what she did was she lied about our address so that way I could go to school in Maryland. Oh, and, that's like, so good. Went to an amazing school. Only reason I went to like a fantastic college was because of that theater department. And I wouldn't have found it anywhere else. And like, but the hard part was it was like two and a half hours for me to get there each day. Wow. So it was like getting up at five, five thirty. Then like you walk 10 minutes, catch a bus, then you catch a train, transfer trains, transfer to a bus, transfer to another bus, and then walk. Mm-hmm. And so like I didn't really have a high school life. It really wasn't like any hanging out because it was like I'd be in drama all day. And then the next thing you know, I'd, it'd be too late for me to go hang because I'd have to get home. And so once I graduated there, I went to Emerson College in Boston. Oh, that's a very um, good school. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it was it, it's the main reason why, like, 
all of my like art is kind of what it is it's because like me discovering who I was as an artist was me discovering it in a like primarily white liberal arts institution in Boston where it's majority white and majority wealthy and so like black people at the school made up less than one percent of the population wow so, like, we, we fit into a room and then I was also an RA um for um three and a half years mm-hmm. and so um I was also like in the administration and at Emerson College during the time when I was there. That's when all of the um, Title IX and sexual assault um, allegations were coming out and the mishandling of the allegations. And so like they're like literally my first year there, my first year being an RA there, like Dateline featured three different colleges. And it was like the breakthrough documentary about Title IX cases. And Emerson was one of them because people were mishandling the sexual assault allegations mm. in these cases. Mm-hmm. And um, so like I came I came into being an RA into that climate and became an artist into that climate and being like one of a handful of black people in the department. I was also I was the first black person in I studied scenic design and I was the first black person in the technical design major in at least 10 years. Nobody remembered the last time there was a black student in the program. And even when I was like they took everybody's photograph for like the every freshman class like our freshman class was like 14 people and that was like the largest class they had had in a while Mm -hmm. and so like we all stood in front of this purple wall and they took our photo to like so that way like they could print it out and all the professors could like identify faces with names and they'd write your name above your face so they could like be like okay this is this person and everything but what they failed to do because I was the first black person in the program in a long time was they failed to print it out in color so they printed it out against the dark black like the wall was dark purple so literally you couldn't see any of me and (laughs) professors wrote my name in above blackness like it was just like where my face would be they wrote above it in marker my name and it was the same thing was like you couldn't print it in color you couldn't just go and get it printed in color after you saw that I wasn't things like that and, oh my god. And a bitch paid a lot of money for that experience. I played myself. Uh, and then after that, graduated, moved to New York, and have been here ever since. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, can relate to you about being featured in that um, documentary because or FSU was as well, I believe. Um, also, also an RA at that school. Um, oh so I, I feel you I feel you <laughs> oh my god it's oh my god it was yeah <laughs> never before had I realized how needed my voice was <laughs> so that's I, I feel and, like you definitely found your voice very quickly there probably <laughs> and on top of it this was like my freshman year um at college was the um whole um Trayvon Martin um mm. case and so it was like literally like going to the streets and marching and like yeah it was a wild experience and it taught me a lot about myself and a lot about like really all of my life my history my legacy my lineage all the things yeah (laughs) goodness what a time those four years (laughs) wait what year would this be around 2013 to 2017 okay i got you and then as soon as i graduated i left that summer yeah (laughs) good for you how did you end up in new york well, um, I studied scenic design at college and it took me to New York because I was apprenticing off Broadway for um, designers and um, theatrical companies like Second Stage and New York City Center and stuff like that. And so um, I was doing that 
And I literally like, I, I knew I was moving here. I was like, before I even had anything lined up, I was like, no, your girl needs to get out of Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, but literally as everything was lining up with the apartment, that's when everything lined up with like me assisting designers. And like, um, I did a whole apprentice. The first thing I did here was my apprenticeship at a uh, second stage. And that was like, it, it was the first time I ever really was like, okay. So like, this is what it's like to just, exist as a person not in college not as a child just existing and being respected and being taken seriously and one of the helpful things was that like Emerson I was like I worked like five jobs all at the same time like being an RA being a scenic designer like assisting and doing actual gigs in Boston doing designs for like class and like actual productions at school then I was also like the RA at the welcome desk I also was a a master carpenter in the scene shop and a scenic painter as well on the paint deck. And so like, I had all of these positions of authority being my feminine ass self, not even necessarily knowing myself as trans, but like just being me as a femme human being. Mm -hmm. And it was so great because I think about it now and I'm like, so many people had to literally take orders, directions, instructions from me. And it makes me so happy to know that like, without me realizing it, they, they had already experienced like black trans excellence and black trans power without even knowing it. And to this day, professors will still reach out to me just to check in and see how I'm doing and everything because they like, yeah, they just, they remember me and they love me and they remembered like, honestly, I taught a lot of the people at that school, a lot of different things. And like down to the fact that even for every loaded and everything for theater, when you're building the set and taking it down, they did because of my hair, they didn't have any um, hard hats that could actually fit my head. And so literally it was either like, I had to either plan my hairstyle out like two days in advance to fit the hard hat, or I just had to not do the activities that required hard hats and mm. things like that, where it was like, and making people realize that these are institutional issues that need to be changed. And to this day, they still don't have hard hats that fit pitches with my hair. And that's like in the real world as well. That's yeah, like, definitely apprenticing at second stage you're there and you're like and what hard hat am I supposed to use mm. mm-hmm. but welcome welcome to my life yep. but like Maya Angelou said still I rise bitch that's right. Look at what, and I'm here that's right and you're and you're here oh. <laughs> <laughs> how did you get from so I actually have also a very similar background because I did technical theater as well but how did you yes. end up from behind the scenes into in front of the scenes well it's like i i started watching drag race at um like season eight and um that was bob the drag queen that's right and bob the drag queen was like just everything everything like was the person i was like i would want to do that like Mm -hmm. if i did drag that's the type i would do like all around just being yourself but also being everything at the same time and it always resonated with me and then as time went like I w- as an RA I would host programs on my floor um every week to view um drag race and then we'd have um conversations around queer politics and what was going on in our lives as queer people and basically check-ins as queer people and um then when I graduated of course moved to New York want to see drag shows mm. want to um do all these things and I kind of was just completely underwhelmed because oh. 
Mm-hmm. And where were you going? That's a, that was the thing. That was the thing. I was mainly in Manhattan. I was, uh, yeah, because that's the thing. Because n- n- nobody, there was no guy. There was no like. Here's the great place to go. If only you knew me at the time. But actually, because <laughs> I came here looking for Paris is burning, and I found mm-hmm. a lukewarm Berlin. <laughs> please use that as her um oh, I title. <laughs> oh my god i hear you though oh my god and it was like seeing all these performances i remember i'm trying oh and the the wildest circle like full circle moment of my life in drag was because in boston also when i turned 21 because i was too scared to ever get a fake i was like i look like a child y'all are gonna figure out this a fake and even when i like got my real id people at bars would still try to take it and say that it was fake because i looked so young and so i was like let me not even play but when i could go to drag shows there was out of boston there's three like drag bars yeah. and that's like f- out of four queer bars like yeah three of those will have drag and w- there was like each one has a different scene one was very college one was very like adult white gay who wants to see a show and then there was like the theater gay one I because it was closest to my campus I would always go to club cafe which was like the adults white gay out and I found at my first show there that I saw a performer who I was like entranced by because it's majority white. So all of the cast is white except for one amazing performer named Uni Neptune who was a- who's Asian American. Ah, yes. We stand. And then there's <laughs> this amazing performer who took my breath away who I got to, of course, meet later on and like really connect and have a sisterhood with is Neon Calypso. That's right. I saw Neon Calypso and she was just it was like that moment where you're like this bitch is the star why is this bitch in Boston get this bitch to yeah, New York I've, that, I said that for a very long time <laughs> literally, and she literally she t- had a conversation with me um, after one of the shows because I was just telling her how amazing she was and how like I th- always thought about doing drag and she was like do it just do it. Mm-hmm. And she was telling me about how like people will try to tell you to be something else, to do something that doesn't feel right to you and don't do it. Just be true to who you are. And it's like, she is one of those people who like, when I was doubting myself as to whether I should start, I mean, it was like, Mm-mm, I can do it. Neon, Neon said I could do it. Neon That's said right. I could. And as I was seeing all these shows, I was like, mm, none of this is hitting. I don't, I need to do, I need to be the performer that I want to see on these stages and I did and I thought about it and I saw a flyer for um it, it was called hot mess at house of yes and it was this open dragon and it was just like you know you just see a flyer it's not like because even when you see flyers for drag competitions it's not like if it you don't want to do it if it's your first time because it's not like this is for beginners this is for like people who have been doing it so I was like this will be great it'll just be a one-off whatever and it was funny because a bunch of my friends were like, no, Ju, you're like, you need to do this. You were like meant to do this. You are amazing. And I was always so terrified and self-conscious of myself to ever be on the stage. I never thought I was entertaining or like visually appealing to even look at. And so literally I was like, okay, let me do this number. I made this whole mix. I was like ready, Donna Summer, hot, um, bad girls. When I tell you, literally I'm preparing and everything, got this whole number together. And I'm standing on the stage at this, at this, comp, at this um, it was an um, open competition and everything. Standing behind the stage, the curtain is happening. Madam Vivian V 
is on the mic and she is like about to introduce me and she sees this woman in the audience who is just like going crazy and she's like do you know who's performing next and she goes yes 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 that is one of my best friends I love her so much she is amazing you're going to lose your mind you're not ready and then literally about a video goes well, I feel like you could introduce her better than I could. It gives her the mic and pulls her up on stage to introduce me my first time. And it was like one of those moments where like when one of your best friends, her name is Emma, she's an icon and a legend, with someone who you love so much is like telling all these people about how amazing you are and how they're not ready for what they're going to see and how phenomenal you are. All of my anxiety went away and I was like, okay, bitch, just enjoy it and serve it and you will just be the be the bad bitch that you see in your head. Be the bad bitch that you see in your head. And while I did not win that competition, two amazing things happened. One, I got booked for two different gigs because of that one performance. And I've been literally booked ever since. And then the other thing was after my performance, my whole number was about um, basically white people telling black people to shut up. And it was a whole mix about it. And um, these two, three 40-year-old Black women who all have the same birthday were celebrating their 40th birthday at House of Yes at this drag competition. They <laughs> ran up to, I know it's the wildest thing. <laughs> they, they ran up to me and they go, uh, we just, we were just so entranced. We just have to let you know that this is the first time that we ever felt like we heard somebody talking about our perspective on a stage. And literally it was that moment where it was like, well, I know I always have to, like it was, it made me realize why I ever even wanted to do it, which is really connection, just to like say how I felt and to have my community, the people who felt the same as me say, yes, bitch, yes, bitch. Thank you for saying what you said. And yeah, that was like my real transition into it. And the only reason I even signed up was really because the um, designer I was assisting, her name is Danya Worrell, an icon, one of the few women to win a Tony Award for scenic design. She literally, I was building a model for her at New York City Center, right? I'm building this model in the theater. And she just looks at me and goes, you know, you don't want to do this, right? And I was like, what? Like, I paid a lot of money to do this specific thing. <laughs> yeah. And she just goes, the only thing you talk about with joy and with passion is drag. You need to do that. And then literally that same day, I saw the flyer for Hot Mess on my Instagram. And I was like, I think. That's fate, baby. The stars align. <laughs> come on, come it. on. The universe wanted me in this. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with your drag name? Well, my name out of drag is Junior. And um, growing up, everybody like, so my first name is Tyrone. My middle name is Junior, uh, but my I have two older brothers and their names are Tyrone and Tyrone. And my dad is Tyrone as well. And so like we all went by our middle names. basically. That makes sense. <laughs> you could you say one of us and all of us show up. Yeah. It's like all we heard was the Rhone. And so here we are. <laughs> and so, really? And so um, everybody called me Junior. I love my name. And every time I ask somebody like, could you ever imagine me with a different name they were always like no junior like fits you so perfectly like you have a very unique voice that i can't like not mistakable for anybody else you have a unique presence and so i was like okay work and when i came to drag i was like i can't imagine a different name for me like i couldn't imagine i was like lulu amanda like Anna, like I couldn't think of anything that like really fit me and so i was like okay i want to stick with junior and then it hit me that 
growing up, my mom called me her little junior mint. Because Junior Mints are one of her favorite candies. And it's like at the movies, always the candy you, we go to. And um, anytime we would gawk into like a Wawa or a 7-Eleven, she was like, look, it's you Mints. Anytime we saw Junior Mints. And so when I, I finally came up with it, I was like, I think I'm Junior Mint. And for a while, I balanced between Junior Mint and Junior High because I smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> I know, right? And, and then I was like, imagine a gig where it's like Junior High talent show. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> junior High presents High School Musical. Junior yeah. High School Musical. <laughs> It'd be kind of iconic, though. <laughs> I know, right? I know. But we landed on Junior Mint. And as soon as I said it to my mom, she was like, chocolate in your mouth, minty going down. And so that's always been my tagline. How'd you end up with the two T's? Copyright. That's right. <laughs> she don't want to get sued. I'm, I support. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, I immediately went, because if there's one thing that's really helpful with doing the business of drag, it was like having all the knowledge from college of how to freelance as an artist, because immediately when I was like what do I want my name to be after I looked up junior mint I was like let me go into the um so when you're doing business as a like an entity you can uh, literally apply for an application called DBA which is code for doing business as and there's a whole program you can go and type in any name and see if someone else has that already and is doing business as it they already had the trademark for junior mint with one t but they did not have two t's and i was like bitch double the t double the flavor double the trans okay that's right it reminds me a little bit of patrick star with the two r's because i always wondered how they were able to like have like an empire with that name <laughs> empire <laughs> i feel like it is and i feel like you have an empire too which i want to mm-hmm. definitely talk about <laughs> so okay. how did you like get into doing your own business being a makeup connoisseur well i'm i'm so thankful for my friends all of my success all basically Every single thing that I have really leaned into and understood about myself, I only understand because my friends pointed it out to me. Like, if it wasn't for my loved ones and my friends being like, bitch, you're funny. Talk on the mic. I would never have hosted. Literally, thank God for Ra Ra Darling, because without them, like, they were the person who was like, would you want to host a show? Because they were like, you, you're so infectious. People would love to see you talk. Like, do it. Uh, same thing with makeup. Literally, it was somebody who literally told me, like, do you know how, like, you really kind of glow when you put on makeup and you really have a way of, like, accentuating your beauty with your makeup? And it was the thing that made me realize that the thing that I love the most about makeup is when you get to take it off. Because for me, the reason I realized I was trans was because at the end of the night, I'd be so emotional taking my makeup off because it'd be the only re- it'd be the only time I give myself permission to feel like a woman and identify as a woman. Mm-hmm. And that moment of realizing that through the transformation of makeup, you can realize so much about yourself when you take it off um, is my like most thankful realization I've ever had in my life. Because every time I put on makeup, it makes me remember why I love to do it for me outside of it. 
because as I'm like, do I want to do like a Star Trek ass eyebrow giving you Vulcan? Do I like, what do I want to do? Do I want to try to give you Princess Peach today? Like what part of myself am I going to call on outside of this makeup to inspire who I want to be in this face? And literally a friend of mine pointed that out during pandemic. Literally, we were sitting down just like catching up and just like trying to get through this pandemic. And they were like, what do you want to do with like your career and everything? Because yes, you're a performer, but like, what else do you want to do with it in terms of like a product? Because they have a whole degree of marketing and all of that. So they were like, you also can like easily be making supplemental income because they know about me and my mom, supporting my mom and everything. And they were like, you can start a business and you easily could do a lot of things. Like, is there anything you're passionate about? And the only thing I could think of was makeup. I was just like, the only thing I know that if somebody was like, what would you want a gift card to? Get me a gift card to Ulta Beauty, honey, so I can go and get me some good ass makeup at an affordable ass price because ain't nobody got time for Sephora. All I Wait. do is just do, honey, honey, I have not paid for a thing from Sephora in four years, but I've been up in Sephora. Let's just say it that way. Let's just say it that way, okay? Because five finger discount, uh-uh. Reclaim, uh-huh. Reclaiming. <laughs> Fuck capitalism. But, um, where was I? oh yes 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 <laughs> so <laughs> i got i was i was about to go on a whole capitalism <laughs> monologue um but literally they were talking to me about like well what would you want to create and i said makeup but i was like you know gotta wait for the point where like i know how to do it do all these things and jump through these hoops and they were like you can just do it now why don't you just do it now and i'm so thankful for the loved ones in my life because they're the people who are like the ones who make you realize that you have the power to do anything that you want right the hell now. Like this podcast could not exist. Y'all could have kept putting it off for another week or another month or another month until this thing is right or that thing is right. Mm-hmm. But no, it's realizing that you can do the goddamn thing right the fuck now. That's right. And they made me realize it and were like, let's sit down and let's, if you have any questions, I can help answer them, but like you can do it. And so literally they basically just were like, let me know if you have any questions. They helped me a lot with the like images and configuring everything, but like really everybody has the resources to figure out how to reach out to a manufacturer, how to sift through manufacturers, how to figure out what, what is right for you in terms of your pay scale, in terms of like how much you have to actually invest in your product and how to actually navigate manufacturers, good manufacturers, bad manufacturers, navigating good color palettes and good color choices for skin tones and actually like doing the work because most of the time it was me sitting down just like at a computer thinking because it's like I picked out all the colors very, very specifically after like, okay, you get one round of samples, the samples come in. Okay, let me swatch these, see how these work. Oh no, let me give this to a friend now because it was a lot of footwork on my own goddamn behalf because I was passionate about it and it was like having my different friends try it out because I wanted to try it out on all different skin tones Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that it worked for everybody to make sure that this is something that anybody could pick up and use and be like this isn't a waste of my money now I instead of getting the meal I wanted to have a palette I can't use Mm -hmm. and yeah it was a long journey of a lot of hard work but because it was in the pandemic when I created it, it gave me a lot of free time to work on it. So it came together in like a matter of three, four months. What could have been a wow. year. Wow. Because yeah. I know makeup takes a very long time to produce. Yeah. <laughs> it takes so long. Because the hardest part is like finding the manufacturer mm-hmm. because each manufacturer is different in terms of what they offer and the quality of what they offer. Mm-hmm. Because 
like just on the back end of like looking at things it's like some some manufacturer will make amazing matte pigments but then when it comes to shimmers can't do that Mm -hmm. and it's horrible Mm -hmm. and so you have to find somebody who can do everything that you want and need because on top of it you get another manufacturer that's more shipping from a different place in order to get so welcome to the rigmarole of being a businesswoman that's right but it is a journey that I'm so thankful for because every time I see a palette and I see somebody wearing a face that they put on from it, it gets me emotional because it's like you you're you are finding value and purpose in something that I created to find value and purpose in myself. So it's like healing for everybody. And I'm so thankful for it. <laughs> um, I think you have two customers here. I wore um, your lip. Uh, kit to Bushwig. So, oh my uh, God, I'm honored. <laughs> well, I so I knew about the the um eyeshadow palette, but I've been like sh- like suffering because they kind of discontinued matte lips from like ColourPop and stuff. Yes. And I'm just I'm like, oh no, it's not a thing anymore. <laughs> but if you like work in any sort of nightlife, anything, you need matte. Like you need a matte lip. Mm-hmm. That and part. I was, and I was like, oh my God, you have it. <laughs> <laughs> when I tell. I, I, these, like, it makes me so happy because now I have makeup that it's weird that I made it, but it's makeup that I actually have the versatility now to do anything. Like, I say that this is the palette that I like use for the stage, but also to go to the bank the next day and deposit my tips. Like, it is fantastic in terms of everything I need. The lips are so. All I can say is I got the best review ever because somebody literally said they sucked dick with my lipstick on and it did not budge. And I was like, that is a product that I want to stand by. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, yes. But yeah. My I mean, that, that's how, that's how you know it's good. <laughs> good advertising. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, are there maybe any she's born with it? Maybe it's minty makeup. That's right. <laughs> are there any new products coming out that we can look forward to? So we are, we, a lot has happened in the past two weeks for minty makeup Ooh. in a very positive way. Very, very positive way. I can't say anything yet, okay. but if everything goes according to plan, Minty Makeup will be in places that I never imagined it could be being sold in stores I never imagined it could be sold in. And so, yeah, it's like we had a few different things in the works that have had to slow down a little bit because now we're like juggling more things. But I can guarantee you new palettes coming by summer, by summer at the latest, summer at the latest. And it's I have two very exciting palettes that I'm very, very excited about because it's the things everybody's been asking for. It's been like, so yes, things are coming, but I'm oh you have my grip on the bike even changed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Oh my god. Um always looking for new new products. Um and your stuff's so good. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um let me I'm gonna work. Let me transition real quick. Um, oh, I know about transition. I was like, oh, you know what? That's our transition. <laughs> um, I watched The Matrix for the first time on Saturday. It was really good. Really? Yeah. It's a trans allegory. Thank you. Yeah. Somewhat. Mm. Somewhat. No, it mm. is. <laughs> um, mm. I was listening. Also, to, but they weren't out yet, though. Yeah. Keanu Reeves said that um, he didn't know it was a trans allegory, but when somebody told him, he's like, oh, yeah, that's dope. <laughs> and I was like, 
This is why I fucks with you, Keanu. Mm. That's right. Um, apparently the characters, I think Switch was supposed to be played by um a cis man in the real world and mm-hmm. then um as a woman in the matrix which i thought yeah. was really cool um no i listened to um i listened to this podcast called the bechdel cast um Ooh. and i love it they just review um movies through like a uh, intersectional feminist lens using mm-hmm. bechdel tests as like a jumping off point and um they had a trans writer as their guests for the matrix and um it was really good to like listen to because um the wachowskis like didn't intend for the white matrix to be completely trans allegory but no like, i know after they like transitioned they're like i'm glad it's there and it was present but it's like i think it was um, like unconscious yeah. kind of yeah mm. um <laughs> i mean both of them came out as trans after mm. yeah it was, it was subconscious <laughs> yeah there's something going on Mm-hmm. I, um but yeah i'm glad those um metaphors are there and everything it's really good yeah. i liked it i enjoyed it have you ever seen alien no i haven't um oh so good so good um i i've always wanted to i don't know i've been trying to like catch up on like movies i've missed out on um, it's so good mm-hmm. it's one of those movies that like when you hear about the behind the scenes, it makes sense why it's so good because mm-hmm. like the whole cast, they cast all the people who'd be in it, but they didn't cast them in roles they, mm-hmm. until they like hit rehearsals. So like Sigourney Weaver Damn. being Ripley as the lead was never set in stone. They like literally they saw her and was like, yes, you need to be the lead out of these packs. Yeah. And then on top of it, one of the characters in it is trans because- oh, wow. Well, they show you in the beginning a bunch of their files pulled up and one of them on the plane, like on the screen for plane to see and like is visible. It's like it tells you in her medical records that she's had a um, gender reassignment surgery and mm. you're literally sitting up there like, hold up, wait a minute, because <laughs> the whole thing is also an allegory for sex. Mm-hmm. Like, like one of the people, one of the robots is full of like this weird milky substance that looks like cum slash milk. Mm-hmm. Like the alien serpents look like dicks. Like yeah, they look like lubed up. Yeah. <laughs> and then the little tails and then the mouth that comes out in the mm-hmm. mouth, like double head. Mm. It's good. It's I heard, good. I heard the sequel um, that like the queen alien is like pure just vagina. Um, oh, like yes. Icon. <laughs> Oh, fully. It's giving Georgia O'Keeffe realness. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what um else I watched recently. I just ordered something. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I've been on a, like a movie binge lately, but um, yes. But oh, um, do you watch HBO at all? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, my favorite book got turned into a series and I've been really enjoying that. And it's slightly queer, not overly queer, which is like a little sure. disappointing, but it's like a, it's a post pandemic world, but it's like an optimistic take on okay. it. And it's like, what's the uh, name of it? Station 11. <gasps> Do you know Paris Hilton knows? Paris Hilton yeah. or... or- <laughs> so there's a drag performer named Paris Hilton Alls, and oh, no. they <laughs> they just told me recently about Station Eleven and said that I they because I'm a sci-fi hoe like I've seen just about everything sci-fi related and they were like I think that you would really love this mm-hmm. and so 
it's queer-ish. It's queer-ish. It's, um, I think the main actress is a lesbian. Um, there's like queer romances, but like not, it's nothing very like explicitly like, they're just sort of like queer people in their lives, kind of. It's not like a queer story per se. Um, Work. Yeah. Wow. But, yeah. I um, really that. enjoy it. Work. I'm going to watch it. Yes. <laughs> anything science fiction, anything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm such. Um, are you a Star Trek fan or a Star Wars fan? Are you serious? Are you serious? Is that a question? Me with two Star Trek posters up in my room. Oh, I can't see them. <laughs> oh, sure. my God. There is one for. Um, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. This is OK. I'm going to try to lift you to take you. Okay, here we go. We're moving. We're moving. We're venturing. This one is for Risa. Oh, love. Can you see it? Yeah. Oh, that's God. for Risa. And then that's my glitter poster. Yes, I'm glitter. <laughs> and then do you remember the episode of Deep Space Nine where it's like in the 1950s and he, when like Cisco is an author and they're talking about race and stuff and he writes a book about Cisco in the future? Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. cover. That's oh. the cover of the novel from that episode. It's oh. my favorite episode of Star Trek. Oh my I, god. Mm, I fucks with some Star Trek. Oh. Oh my god. Don't get me started. <laughs> it is like it is my everything. I can't wait. I'm about to get two Star Trek tattoos soon. Yes. Um I just started getting into the original series. My friend got me into it. And the animated series for some reason, like the the very old one <laughs> from the 70s, you better yeah. watch. And do you all like Rick and Morty by chance? Yeah, I watch it. If you like Rick and Morty, there is a Star Trek animated series that is out right now called Lower Decks. And one of the creators of Rick and Morty created this one because he's a Trekkie. And Uh it is one of the best Star Trek series like out of all of them ever created because it follows the people in the lower decks of the ship. So like not the commanding part. So the people who are like changing out the um, like trash and doing all the small stuff and actually showing you like everyday life. And it's so fucking good and the lead is a black woman love um yeah but yeah i could i could talk star trek all day (laughs) (laughs) i know i've I've been um watching book of boba fett and i'm a star wars girl oh (laughs) i respect star wars i will say i do respect i do respect Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i definitely think star trek is more boundary breaking than star wars will ever be but (laughs) different conversation (laughs) Um, we'll be right back, kids. Before um, we're going to talk to Junior about creating her um, own living color um, drag show, um, and I'm really excited to talk about that. We'll be right back, kids. Bye. And that is the conclusion of part one of our interview with Miss Junior Mint. Um, like I said, it was such a joy to have her. Um, I'm plugging her socials right now. And you can follow her at um, at Junior Mint with two T's on Instagram, as well as Junior Mint with two T's on Venmo and Cash App. Um, you should follow Minty Makeup, again, with two T's on Instagram at Minty.Makeup. Um, and also follow In Living Color BK on Instagram, um, Miss Junior's lovely drag collective show. Um, and then next week, we're going to get more into her career as it's been her political activism and um the end of the episode is honestly a real t 
tearjerker. Um, I know I was emotional hearing it. Um, it was very, very special. So it's, I'm very excited for you guys to hear it and to hear the joy that is Junior Mint um, next week. So tune in, tune out. Uh, <laughs> bye, kids. We'll see you next week. I'm C. Tepper. You can follow me on Instagram at C-T-E-P-P-E-R and read my book, The State of Drag, where I interviewed 175 drag queens from around the world. All proceeds go to charity on Amazon.com. Ooh, I love that. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at DragTheMartyr. And if you have any thoughts, comments, dick pics, send them to DragTheMartyr at gmail.com. Listen, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Pandora. And catch up with past episodes on Work.com. That's W-E-R-R-R-K.com. Artwork for Wigging Out was provided by Glitter Baby Online. That's Glitter Baby Online. Thank you. Ha <laughs> ha!